Well, greetings. Thank you all for coming. Hello there to all the people in, online and Peninsula Hope. Uh, we're at the end, as has been mentioned, about uh, the last message in the series of contact. And, uh, you know, when I uh, originally thought about this series, uh, I wanted to end it on a high note, but I kind of felt like uh, there's something that needs to be said about all of this. Uh, and uh, part of it is that uh, all this good news that uh, we've been talking about, how God loves us, how we can love each other, how we can love ourselves and things, all of that should be bringing something uh, new to us. But instead, oftentimes, what we see is bad stuff. Uh, for instance, uh, if you were to think about the church, would it be a place of good news or would it be more a place of bad news? And so what we're, what we're going to talk about this morning is how good news can become bad news. And I guess we don't have the, it looks like we have the slides for that. So what, what I wanted to talk about basically has to do with uh, the idea of position versus posture. And a lot of times in the church, what we emphasize is position, which is basically beliefs and things to truths. And so what happens is when we relate to the world or, or we relate with one another, we start off from, well, what is your position? And we, we immediately go to, where do you stand? And what happens when you start with, with that kind of position is that you are automatically creating a separation, right? Because I'm here, you're here, and unless we see where the two come together, we're existing in a separated state, okay? Posture, to me, is where what your position is, is applied to how you walk. And so really, I believe that the emphasis of the New Testament and of Jesus was that position was to influence posture, which means that it, in when, when you have good posture, right, it helps you walk and it, it keeps you from, from getting into uh, bad habits. Uh, I don't have good posture. Uh, I think part of that is because I, I uh, have never really thought about my posture a whole lot. But as I've gotten older, older, I've thought about it more. And so I've tried to be sit more straight, and I've tried to, to do all these things. And in those times when I've done that, it's helped me to be able to, to function more. And that's actually the, the nature of position, is that it's to be applied to posture. So it's not that position is bad, 
but it's the application of what that position is. And so when we meet with one another, if we're talking about posture, then we're talking about how we're relating and walking through life together, which is more being able to be collaborative than being separate. So what I wanted to do was kind of go through a, a book of the Bible. And I'm going to be like Cots, uh, well, a little bit like Cots in that I'm going to do a whole book in one sermon, okay? And uh, I know Cots doesn't do that, especially with Luke and Acts, but I'm going to do it uh, because the book I'm going to choose is just one chapter, okay? And if you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, the end of the, the Bible, the last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And just before the book of Revelation is a book called Jude. And so we're going to look at Jude. But uh, I'm going to read through it and make some comments on it on the basis of uh, a translation called the Passion. And the Passion is a little more like a paraphrase, but it also contains a lot of uh, elements of feeling, which is, I think, sometimes lost in a word-for-word -word translation. So we're going to look at this, and the first thing I want you to know is Jude is the half-brother of Jesus, which means that he is the full brother of James, who wrote the book of James. And in this Passion Translation, you're going to see him called, uh, you're going to see Jude, Jude called Jude, you're going to see him called Judah, which is basically his Hebrew name. And Jude is, Jude is the translation of Judah. And James, you aren't going to see his name as James, you're going to see it as Jacob. So let's look at this. And so starting with Jude 1, and it says this. From Judah, which is Jude, a loving servant of Jesus, the anointed one, and brother of Jacob, who is James, okay? And I'm writing to the chosen ones who are wrapped in the love of Father God, kept and guarded for Jesus, the Messiah. So one of the first things you'll notice about Jude is he really has a desire for people to take, posture, uh, to take position and put it into their posture. And part of that is the way he wants them to view themselves, right? Wrapped in the love of Father God. In other words, clothed in that love and kept and guarded for Jesus the Messiah. That God is like uh, a lover of, of you and they, he's a protector, not to make you feel less, but feel, make you feel so secure that you can be who you need to be, who you, God created you to be. And he, then Jude goes on to write this. He says, may God's mercy, peace, and love cascade over you. So as you're walking with God, the way Jude wants you to walk with God is, is like this, waterfall of mercy, of peace, and love just cascading over you and just, just washing over you. It's like being in a, in a 
a shower, right? And, and having that water just flow over you and, and the, the feeling of just, this is a wonderful place to be. That's part of position, but it's also part of posture. And so Jude says, dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation. We all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. So Jude was kind of like me in this, uh, or maybe I was kind of like Jude, in that my original intent was to close this series out with an amazing recapitulation of just how amazing God's message is. And there's a place for that. And Jude uh, really wanted to do that. But then he felt that, the, that there's something more than just talking about position. And that, to me, is what I'm calling posture, how that position relates to how we really live and walk. And so, for God, through the apostles, has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. Okay, that's the position. There have been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. They are deprived people whose judgment was prophesied in scripture a long time ago. They have perverted the message of God's grace into license to commit immorality and turn against our, absolute, our only absolute master, our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing about posture is that if we're to take those positional beliefs, there shouldn't be a spirit or a uh, movement within us to say that we can do anything we want because we're forgiven. Okay, that's basically what he's talking about with a perverted the message of God's grace into license to commit immorality. That's saying, it doesn't matter what I do. Even if I'm bad, God will forgive me. That's a presumption, right? That's taking what, what God has given you and basically using it for your own selfish purposes when it was designed to be shared with other people. And the, another characteristic of that, so the first one is being self selfish. So the first thing that turns good news into bad is selfishness. The second thing is, is in this, turn against our absolute master, our Lord Jesus Christ. As we understand the truths, I believe we become more and more humbled that we want to yield to Jesus. And we want to give him all we have and all we are. And if that's not happening, to me, that's, that's an evidence of, uh, it's, it's evidence of selfishness, but I also think it's an evidence of pride, that we start to believe that, we're, that we've got it, and so we don't need anybody else. And so nobody else can tell us what to do. And we, and we start to live our Christian life on the basis of what we think we need to do, rather than listening to God. So, Jude goes on. I need to remind you, even though you are familiar with it all, that the Lord Jesus Christ saved his people out of Egypt, but subsequently destroyed those who were guilty of unbelief. 
In other words, God is, God's intent was never just to save you, okay? Sometimes in the church we get this idea that the point of evangelism is to make people make a decision, and that's the whole point of, of having a church. No, the point of having a church is to introduce them to Jesus and then help them walk in that. And that's the warning that Jude is basically saying. It's not about a position. If it was about a position, it would just be making that decision. It's about a posture, about being able to walk through it. And that's what being able to journey out of Egypt, they walked, right? And within that walk, it was designed for them to start to understand all the truths and all who God was in a daily living. So, Jude goes on to write, in the same way, there were heavenly messengers in rebellion who went outside the rightful domain of authority and abandoned their appointed realms. So he's talking about the rebellion in heaven, and I don't have time to go into all that, but if you want to talk about that, that's another uh, sermon in itself. But even angels, basically, were held accountable for just being an angel doesn't automatically mean it's over. It's taking that position and continuing in a posture, continuing in, uh, another way to put it is continuing to relationship or maintaining the contact, okay? And then she says, God bound them in everlasting change and is keeping them in the dark abyss for the, of the nether world until the judgment of the great day. I just want to point out something. Just because somebody is doing something wrong or is kind of rebelling against God, and it doesn't seem like God is, is uh, punishing it, or even in your life, that you know you're rebelling against God, but things don't seem to change. That does not mean that God doesn't see it. And in fact, I believe to the extent that we choose the wrong things, we actually put ourselves in chains. Jesus told the, par uh, the story of the, uh, uh, the servant who was forgiven this great debt. And then after being forgiven that great debt, he met a, another servant who owed him a, a smaller debt and he didn't forgive. And what happened to that servant who was given that great debt was he was put back into to, to jail, into chains. And I believe that's what happens when we move away from the position and in our posture, we take a different one. We be actually become walking into a place of bondage. So in a similar way, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and nearby towns gave themselves to sexual immorality and the unnatural desire of different flesh. Now they all serve as examples of those who experience the punishment of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah existed in rebellion for a long time. But there came a time when God brought it to an end. Okay, so going on, Jews says this. In the same way, those, these sensual dreamers corrupt and pollute the natural realm, while on the other hand, they reject the spiritual realms of governmental power and repeatedly scoff at the heavenly glories. Uh, one of the things when, when 
good news has become bad is your attitude toward authority is one in which you don't want anybody telling you what to do. And nobody likes being told what to do. Let me just say that. I don't like being told what to do. But when I listen to good authority, authority that loves me, there is freedom in that. And there is something of a, uh, being able to kind of walk straight, like I talked about posture. So when, when our attitude toward authority is one in which we are open to hearing what the authority has to say and really walking in that, there's great freedom in that. And so Jude goes on. Even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil over the body of Moses, dared not insult or slander him, but simply said, the Lord Yahweh rebuke you. So Jude is kind of going into now more of, well, what does it mean to walk with that, this posture? And one of the things is that just because you're walking upright or you're walking correctly does not mean that when you see someone who is not walking upright or correctly, that you go and confront them and say, you know, you'd be better off if you walk this way, or you'd be better off if you hold your shoulders back, or whatever, whatever ways that you see that the posture is, is not right. You leave it to God. And because this is, Michael was strong. He, an archangel is like the highest level of angel, okay? Uh, Satan was an archangel, okay? That's, you don't get any higher than that. And so even when he faced someone that he could have fought, okay? Because Satan and, and Michael are the same kind of cast of angel. He didn't do that, right? He said he, he left it to God and saying, God will deal with you. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to, do, I'm going to take Moses' body and, and take it. And, and so Jude says, These people insult anything they don't understand. They behave like irrational beasts by doing whatever they feel like doing. Okay? When you, <laughs> when you rebel against authority, basically you don't, you rebel against reason to a certain extent, because you're gonna base everything on what you feel like. And what you feel like is gonna be very strong. In fact, whenever something happens, usually uh, the first place something happens in our brain is processed in the emotional part of our brain. So whenever something happens, we, we get these strong feelings and things. And that's just the way that we were made. But when we walk or have the position of truth, we're able to take that initial response and say, okay, I need to move that response into the reasoning part of my brain, into the part that needs to look at, well, what is the way I want to choose to respond rather than just respond automatically. Okay, And so Jude goes on to say, because they live by their animal instincts, they corrupt themselves and bring about their own destruction. It's kind of like when, uh, if 
Sandy tells me something and I don't think about it and I don't like it and I express my dislike, that does not lead to good things happening, okay? And so what, what happens is that if we just respond from our emotions and don't allow God and his Holy Spirit to work through those things, that it's not gonna lead to good things, okay? Because emotions usually are based on in, especially when we feel like something is threatening us. The, the, the first emotion or the first processing part of our brain will go into the fear, flight, fright, or freeze mode, okay? And none of those things are necessarily good, except if they're chosen to, with reason, okay? So, how terrible it is for them, for they have followed in the steps of Cain, they have abandoned themselves to Balaam's error because of their greedy pursuit of financial gain, and since they have rebelled like Korah rebelled, they will experience the same fate of Korah and likewise perish. Uh, again, if we had time, we could go through those Old Testament examples, but basically what, what it amounts to is all of those three examples are rooted in whether or not you have a good understanding of the nature of authority. And if you don't have a good understanding of the nature of authority, because position implies authority, okay? It's, it's giving you a place to, to be able to, to make judgments or statements from. But when it's not used in, in the context of posture, then it can lead to bad things. And each of those things happen in, in those three cases, okay? And so these false teachers are like dangerous hidden reefs at your love feast, lying in wait to shipwreck the immature. They feast among you without reverence, having no shepherd but themselves. They are clouds with no rain, swept along by those winds, like fruitless late autumn trees, twice dead, barren, and plucked up by the roots. The you get the theme here? It's all about your attitude and whether or not you are walking with someone or you're trying to hold to a position and hold to, to some place that you want them to be. And basically a false teacher is trying to get you to take a position. He's, he or she is not trying to help you walk better but he, he or she is trying to get you into a position where they can define and manipulate and use you. And that is not what God intends for us to live, that we are not to be just a position person, but we're to be a person who walks with a good posture that includes a good position. And so he describes them as, they are wild waves of the sea, flinging out the foam of their shame and disgrace. They are misleading like wandering stars from whom the complete darkness of eternal gloom has been res reserved. Okay, again, it's, God is not going to let this go on forever. He sees, he knows. And so there's going to be a, a place of accountability. Enoch, 
the seventh direct descendant from Adam, prophesies of their doom when he said, look, here comes the Lord Yahweh in his myriads of holy ones. Okay, Enoch in the Old Testament is one of two people who never died. The other was Elijah. And we don't know a whole lot about Enoch from the Old Testament, but apparently he had a uh, prophetic book that didn't make it into the canon. And so Jude is quoting that here. And it's kind of interesting that Jude applies that to his day because Enoch lived so many years ago. And uh, so to Enoch, or to, to Jude, Enoch represents that there may be a long time before judgment comes, but it will come. And it will, it will be where God is not mocked, okay? So he also says, he comes to execute judgment against them all and to convict each one of them for their ungodly deeds and for all the terrible words that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Our job or our place as a Christian is not to convict the world of sin. It says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, which is God. God is the one who convicts the world of sin. What we are to do is to be walking in a way that says sin doesn't have to control you. That as I share my struggles and things that I struggle with, that there is a God who is for me and not against me. And that same God is for you and not against you. And that's the application of the position of being loved and, and having this tremendous relationship with God. And so Enoch, or Jude goes on, these people are always complaining and never satisfied, finding fault with everyone. They follow their own evil desires and their mouth speaks scandalous things. They enjoy using seductive flattery to manipulate others. Be very careful of someone who is more about trying to get you to do something than about caring about you as a person. Because the nature of God is that he cares about you. And the first place he wants to know is where you are. And so in the, in the same way, when we relate with other people, it should not be where we think, well, uh, what are, what's their position and how do I get them to, what's wrong with their position and how to get to the change? It's more about how are they walking? And in their posture, do they have the right, is, are there things that I can help bring to help them walk better? And so he closes, kind of closes off with this. But you, the delightfully loved friends, remember the prophecies of the, our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So Jude emphasizes that Y'all are delightfully loved. That, that God loves you is not something that he feels like he has to do. It's something he chooses to do. And when he chooses to do it, it brings him joy. It brings him delight. And then they taught you in the last days, there will always be mockers motivated by their own ungodly desires. Good. This is not a quote from scripture per se, but uh, again, 
It's apparently a saying that was circulating among the church. And so uh, the idea here is that there was a, uh, the people in the groups, their characteristic was to mock, was to just put down things, right? Because they wanted to focus the thing on the position, right? They're, and not on the posture, not, not how things are walking and moving. So these people cause divisions and are followers of their own natural instinct, devoid of the life of the spirit, okay? That's what makes good news bad in the church, is that we allow people places where they can create divisions. And they make us into things that are devoid of the life of the spirit, people who are devoid of the life of the spirit, because we're so interested in our position that we forget about our posture and what that means. So, but you, my delightfully loved friends, okay, Jude, I want you to remember that. Constantly and progressively build yourselves on the foundation of your most holy faith, okay? That's posture, that's walking, right? Progressively building. By praying every moment in the spirit. Our walk is not through our own efforts, it's through a union with Jesus, a union with his Holy Spirit. And in that union, we are in prayer. We're in contact with God continually. It's, and then he puts some uh, things to that. It says, fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life. Keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts and snatch others out of the fire to save them. Be merciful over and over to them, but always couple your mercy with the fear of God. Be extremely careful to keep yourselves free from the pollution of the flesh. The emphasis is that we are not to, to ignore things that aren't right. But the way in which we approach it is not from a position. It's from a posture of being able to walk alongside that person and say, I love you and I want to journey with you. And these are some things maybe that we can look at together. And then Jude says this, now to the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling into sin and bring you faultless before his glorious presence to stand before him with ecstatic delight to the only God, our savior through our Lord Jesus Christ, be endless glory and majesty, great power and authority from before he, he created time now and throughout the ages of eternity, amen. God wants you to know that your journey is not by yourself, it's with him. He, he doesn't give you all these truths, he doesn't give us all these truths to say, here they are, now live in them through your own effort. He says, here they are, this is my invitation, 
to have a relationship that is so sprinkled and, and uh, bathed or that cascades over us in such a manner that we do know that he's able to give us the strength. And it's his strength, not ours. So let me close with some applications that are basically from the last part of this. And the first application is to keep building up your inner life on the foundation of faith. In other words, look at your posture. What are, what are the things that you are having as you walk? Are you walking straight? Or maybe you're slumping or things? And those affect the way that, that you're walking. So go back to the foundation. Pray in the Holy Spirit that this is not about having enough willpower. This is not, a, not about being strong in your own uh, strength. It's about being able to, to say, God, I want to receive your strength. I want to be walking with you. Then the, the next application is this. Fasten your life to the love of God. If the love of God seems to you to be something that's not holding you together, then I would invite you to ask God to show you where his love is. Because he wants us to be in a relationship that there is no question that we are loved, that we are assured of that no matter what the circumstances. And it says, receive more mercy from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I like to be able to do things by myself. But I've realized that I have to admit where I am weak in order to become more of who I am. Because if I, if I continue to hold an image of myself that is not true, then I will never experience who I truly am because I'll keep going after what's false. And what's, what, when, you, when you go after what's false, when, even when you get it, you say, why did I, what, what was I thinking? It's so empty. But if you go after what is true and it, and it happens, then you feel assured, you feel that this is who I am. This is who I was created to be because that's what it is. And so that's what mercy is. And then the next application is this. Have compassion on the wavering. Okay? The first thing when we see someone not doing things maybe uh, in line with what we know to be true is not to go and try to confront them with the truth, but to really seek to have compassion on them. Where, is, where are they? Why are they wavering, okay? And the next application has to do with this compassion. This compassion means that we're gonna to seek to save the lost. That we aren't just gonna say, okay, that's so bad and I feel bad for that person. That we're gonna ask, well, what can I do to be involved with that person? and I'm going to go after it, okay? And hate the compromise that will stay in our lives. In other words, when we're going after, or when we're, when we're seeking to be involved with the person, 
to be always aware of our own heart, which is what we talked about last time. Our heart needs to be pure, that we need to, to be where it's not selfish, it's for that person and not out of anything that we want to gain from this, right? So what I would invite you to do is think about this. Uh, but more than that, what I would invite you to do is look at your posture to see all those things that you know to be true. Where does that, walk, where does that fit into how I'm walking? And specifically how I'm walking with myself, how I'm walking with others that are close to me and to the world and, and what I see and, and who I'm interacting with. Because that's where God will show you what he wants to have you be invited into. And maybe most of all is to remember that image of being fastened to the love of God, because that's what he fastens himself to you with, not with, with power of forcing you to feel guilty or manipulating you into making the right decision, but he fastens himself to you in love, which says, I'm not gonna settle for you being partially healed. I'm gonna go after the full healing. And so uh, this week, maybe if, if there are things that come up for you, I would invite you to welcome them and consider maybe what God would say to you in that. And if there's any condemnation in that, let me just say this, that that's not God. If there was condemnation, then Jesus died for no reason. Because Jesus took all the condemnation. The, the only reason, or the, the primary motivation, I believe, for God showing us things that he wants to see changed in our lives, to, to see transformed, is that he knows that they're keeping us from being who we were created to be and who we really are and our true identity. So let me pray and then we'll have the worship team come up.